0: Well, hello there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your grandma, your pet gerbil, your cousin twice removed, um, whoever has questions that they think will stump us. Um, my name is Courtney. I am a branch librarian at our Kentwood and Gaines branches, and I am joined by two very lovely people, um, the first of which is Miss Emily. Hi, Hello. how are you?
1: good. How are you doing today? Oh,
0: I'm doing great. Emily, where do you work?
1: So I work at the Tyron Township, Kent City branch, way up north, way up north in Kent County.
0: North. Um, and we also have the lovely Jill, who is our producer slash the librarian behind the computer. Hi, Jill. How are you today?
2: Good, how are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Jill, where do you work?
2: I work at the Wyoming branch.
0: Ah, what a lovely branch. All right, so we're ready. We're ready to answer a question. Jill,
2: what is our first question? Our first question today comes from Abram, and we'll let him ask it himself. Why is it when the temperature is the same in the sun and the shade, why does it feel warmer in the sun? I always call it the sunray effect, but what's the real phrase?
0: Okay, so great question, Abram. Um, Temperature, for those of you that don't know, is how hot or cold something is. Um, So, coffee, like Jill is drinking over there, has a very high temperature, whereas my iced coffee has a very low temperature. Um, We can't see it, right? That would be, I mean, you can see the temperature on a thermometer, but you can't see the actual temperature. Um, But you can feel it. Like in this room right now. Emily, what would you say the temperature of this room is? Hot, cold, somewhere Ooh. in the middle?
1: I'd say it's now somewhere in the middle because when we started in this room, it was definitely hot.
0: <laughs> definitely definitely a little, a little warm in here. Um, but you measure, again, using a thermometer. Um, there are a lot of really cool experiments that you can do at home with temperature. And the library has lots of books as well as eBooks that you could download from kdl.org. Um, That walk you through different temperature experiments. And summer is a great time to experiment with temperature. You can use the heat from the sun to discover all kinds of temperature-related science. And also, you have lots of free time. Um, We don't because we are in the middle of summer wonder. Um, But our listeners likely have a little more free time to do some cool summer temperature experiments. But let's answer your question, Abram. Um, So, question to you or Emily um have you ever experienced a hot day where you felt cooler in the shade like you're in the sun you're literally dying figuratively dying and you step into the shade to feel cooler has it ever happened to you
1: so many times i couldn't even tell you even my dogs um when we're outside in the backyard oh. the one the dog that is all black just wants to stay in the shade and play
0: oh uh, see my dog that is all black is like sunshine let me soak up those rays she's a very odd dog um which you probably heard about our dogs. Uh, That's a great tangent. But now Abram's question wants to know, why is it cooler in the shade than it is in the sun? So when you see like the temperature for the weather forecast, um, they are actually listing the temperature that is measured in the shade. So when they say it's like 72 degrees outside, they mean that that is the temperature in the shade Um, because the shade temperature is measuring the air temperature and only – the air temperature. When you or your thermometer are standing in the sun, you might feel 10 to 15 degrees warmer when you're standing in the shade and only feeling the air temperature. So if you have a fancy car like I do, um, I get very worried when I get into my car, which has been sitting in the sun for hours, and it says it's like 88 degrees outside, but my phone is saying that it's only like 75 degrees outside, and it's because my car And the thermometer, wherever it is in my car, has been sitting in the sun. So that explains that. Um, Because when you're standing in the sun, you're also feeling the air temperature as well as the effects of the sun's rays on your body. Um, And sunlight or sunshine is solar radiation that is visible on Earth. The amount of sunlight visible varies by location on Earth and time of year on Earth. There are places on Earth, Emily, did you know, where it is sunny, Literally all day. And I don't mean literally in a figurative way. I mean it in a literal sense.
1: Well, yeah, even their nighttime sun.
0: That's up in Alaska, um, for those of you that don't know. And they also have um, three months where there's no sun, where it's just dark all day, every day. It sounds miserable.
1: Which would you prefer? Would you rather to have sun all day or darkness all day?
0: I feel like I would rather have sun all day because they have those sun-blocking, like, curtains but It would really throw me off if I'm outside and it's like 9:30 at night and it's like bright as noon, and I'm like trying to tell my body, like, yes, it is almost bedtime, Courtney. You need to go to sleep. Um, but that's how we experience the seasons because of the amount of sunlight that's visible varies in the season. So. In the wintertime here in Michigan, we have less sun, so the days are shorter, the nights are longer. In summertime, it's the reverse, so that's why you can be outside at 9 o'clock at night, and it does not look like noon, but it is usually sunnier, or at least there's some sun out. Um, but sunlight is important. It also can harm you, so like, make sure you wear that SPF, because um, the rays are hurtful. But also, you need vitamin D which is what you can get from sunlight. Um, And Jill, who researched this question for us, um, she found that over 50% of people are vitamin D deficient, which means that you do not have enough vitamin D in your body, which is sad.
1: And this is something that you'd find out, like... At your doctor's appointment where they're just seeing how your body's doing. Just checking in. Yep, taking your blood and whatnot, and that's how you'd find something like that
0: out. Yeah, and so the best way to get more vitamin D is to go outside in that sunshine, wear your SPF. Um, There's also vitamins, but, again, the best way is to get that directly from the sun. So, you know, take your video games and sit outside. Take your books, and you can read outside um, in the shade, You know, if you get too hot in the sun, move into the shade, you know, make sure you have that sunscreen on. Um, Yeah, so to recap that question, on hot days, you can stay cooler in the shade and protect yourself from sun radiation, but run out to warm up and get some of that vitamin D into your body.
2: Thank you, Courtney. We have a fact of the day for you today. I love facts of the day. Today's fact of the day is from a book, the Magic Treehouse Incredible Fact Book. Their favorite facts about nature, history, animals, and more cool stuff. So this is like Jack and Hannity's Now Jill, where did you you get this book? I got this book at the Ada branch off the shelf in the curiosities section. You too can find such books in the curiosities, curiosities section. So here's our fact. Our left lung is smaller than our right lung to leave room for the heart. Did you know that?
1: I did not did know I that. Know. No. Mm-mm. Makes sense, though. you got to have room for your other important organs.
0: Yeah. it's an interesting fact. The human body is very fascinating, also very gross. But, but in an is, interesting way. Yeah, like yeah. A, a cool way most mm-hmm. of the time. Most of the time. All right. Thank you for that fact, Jill.
2: Do we have another question? We do. We have a question from Jocelyn, age 8, from our East Grand Rapids branch. Here is Jocelyn's question. How do worms die if they survive getting cut in two?
0: (gasps) That is a tough one. It is. It
2: is an excellent
1: question. So I got to do this question this time. Um, So growing up, I had always kind of thought, that if a worm was cut in two, it would become two worms. Did you ever think that, Courtney, when you were
0: um, young? Yeah, I kind of assumed yeah. that. You know, you cut a worm and like because the the head and butt of the worm are, are very similar looking. They are very
1: similar. It's a hard to tell sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's because I really didn't think about it before. So, Jocelyn, this question was really interesting for me, and I learned a whole bunch. So I'm going to share that with you. Um, so to get to like. The basics of your question you're asking, like how do worms die, essentially. So that's sad. Yes, because very dark. There's this way more to it dark than, turn. than just them getting cut in two. Um, so a lot of times you might see worms on like the sidewalk after it's rained. Um, there's some idea that maybe like the worms hear like the pitter patter of, of the rain and they come up, or they are lacking oxygen because that rainwater is going down into their wormholes. Um, so they do need oxygen, and if they do get stuck in those wormholes, then they will die from lack of oxygen. They also absorb and lose moisture through their skin, so they can hmm. get too much moisture, like if they're stuck in a puddle and die that way. Um, right. Extreme temperatures, I don't know if you've ever seen like a worm on the sidewalk who's been out in the sun yes. that hasn't made it. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that can kill worms. If they've got um, like really poor, toxic soil, that will kill a worm. Um, also protein poisoning, which I read, I guess if they have like too much protein, that's not good for them. So there's actually tons of ways that worms can die. Um, But more specifically, you're asking about like, if they can get cut in two, like what's going on there. So what I learned and read is that if you do cut a worm, an earthworm specifically in two, um, you don't get two different worms you get the head of the worm and that'll grow a new tail, but the tail of the worm will actually just die because it oh. cannot generate a new head. So that's... Wah, wah. Right, so that's specifically in
0: earthworms.
1: Um, you'll there only, are lots
0: of different types of worms, There's right? lots of
1: different types of worms. So
0: many worms. <clears throat>
1: yeah. There um, are worms though that can uh, regrow a brain, an eye if they need, all sorts of things. A lot of uh, types of flatworms, you can cut them, um, say, four times, and it'll wiggle apart. And the part with the head will, like, more easily grow its tail. But mm-hmm. then the other three parts, like, after maybe, like, eight days will will have grown a tail. And there's something called, I think it's, like, what? de-growing, where after it's been cut, it will um, kind of shrink even more to, like, conserve energy so that it can, like, use that How energy. Smart.
0: Right. To grow. Um, How well adapted, because I bet... Worms get cut in half accidentally a lot, so this is a really time. great uh, adaptation that yeah. they have that they can survive lots of things except for being out in the sun for yeah. a long time. And it's, worms do not have sunscreen, no. so no protection for them.
1: Even um, and I don't know how much they need vitamin D either. Like I I'm assuming not a lot since yeah. they
0: live in the soil. Right.
1: So that's probably not or good in for the them water. either. Um, I did find there is. It's called a planarian flatworm um, that has, like, some of the most. It's called uh, regenerative powers, like, when you're able to regenerate part of your body. Um, And a fully grown, oh, no, so these flatworms are able to be cut into um, fragments of about 10,000 cells. So that's approximately, like, if you think of an average, like, I'll say, like, 5, 10 adults kind of taking both men and women into account there. Um, that's like 1 of the bodies of, like, an adult. So if you take, like, I don't know, maybe, like, your foot off, that would be able to regrow the rest of your
0: body. Like, looking at my hand. I like, know. wow, what power you would hold, if only. Yeah,
1: I think it'd be pretty cool if you could regenerate body parts and, and whatnot. Um, it kind of freaks me out, though. It freaks me <laughs> that out a lot. Me out. I...
0: I don't know how I feel about that.
1: Yeah, so they're... um... Worms are super interesting, and again, it's mostly flatworms that can do like the the bulk of regenerating. Um, but there are worms that will reproduce asexually, where they don't have a partner, and they will essentially break into, like, mm. sever themselves into, and then there'll be two worms instead right. of one worm, and then they can do that, you know, many times to make like a whole bunch of little worms. And it does take some time for them to regenerate. It's not like an immediate thing. Ah, um, some take longer than others, but but yeah. Uh, I also learned salamanders are really good at regenerating. They can regenerate parts of their brains.
0: Ooh, ooh! ooh. I yes. know another animal that's really good at regenerating, and that's an axolotl. Uh, that's yes, perfect. perfect uh, party! <laughs> I have to. So one of my best friends, her husband has an axolotl, and he also breeds frogs. This is a great tangent. Um, his axolotl's name is Virginia, and I just keep wanting to take her home because I feel like she is not loved enough. Because the frogs are clearly the prize winners in this like cool little room that he has, and uh, I keep wanting to bring Virginia home because oh, she Virginia. just she just floats in the in her little uh, but maybe aquarium. All she wants because she can't see. Good point. But she is great at regenerating. I don't think she's. I don't think Virginia has personally tried because she's had no reason to. But if but axolotls, you know, in the wild, yeah, you know, if they get. eaten. You know something eaten off. I'm I'm guessing that's the only way that like a salamander or like an axolotl or any other type of animal that regenerates. Would or at least lose the a most limb. common way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're not race. like oh, let me see if I can regrow my hand. But there's
1: like iguanas that um, will lose their tail should they need to if they're in like oh yeah yeah and they can regrow it. Should, like if if an animal like prey has it or in, if it's mm-hmm. injured or something they can. Animals are so they cool. They really are. Um, so it's funny that you bring up the axolotl because I too have friends in Kent City who are library patrons, and um, the daughter just got two of them for her Ooh. birthday. And they I only have seen it in pictures, but it's much larger than I thought it was. So I don't know if it's a little bit older, axolotl. Oh, and I don't actually know if they know about the regeneration. So I'll have Ooh, to, you let need them to tell know them. Um, gotta, yeah, gotta yeah. Spread the word.
0: And Virginia is very like axolotls in pictures. There's a really good book. It's called Cute as an Axolotl. You should check it out from the library. And it talks about other different like weird animals that have adaptations that are just super cool, um, but Virginia is not very pink, which oh. is so sad. Like what? her like little things, I don't. I think they're her gills. Maybe don't. I'm probably wrong. So please don't come for me. Um, aren't very pink. What and color so, like, are they? Are they just like they're dull? like a lighter. Yeah, they're more like a dull thing. And so it always makes me worry that she's like malnourished. She's not. Um, but she's not like the pictures. But Mm -hmm. obviously when you're like putting pictures in a book, you're going to put the one that looks the best. And Absolutely. So not everything is as it seems. But, wow, I learned so much about worms. About worms, yeah. That (laughs) I never thought I needed to know or would ever know. Right,
1: and the cool thing is scientists are looking at the different worms to see if they can um, Mm -hmm. use some of that to help, um, like, say, veterans who have, like, lost limbs and in war and whatnot. Um, Or, like,
0: could it... So, obviously, like, limbs is important, but do you think we could ever, are they looking into that technology for, like, kidneys or, like, things like that maybe? Yeah, I think they're
1: looking at it as a whole. And, mm-hmm. um, like, axolotls and salamanders can regenerate their spine. Um, they're, yeah, I think it's, like, the, like, column what? of nerves there. So they're looking also into people who have had, like, traumatic, you know, injury Injuries, to, their, yeah. to their spines and whatnot and seeing if we can learn something to help Help with that. So, so yeah, it's very cool. interesting. We I feel like we owe a lot of interesting science to animals. We
0: really do. Yeah, they're the best. But well, that was a great question, and so much information mm-hmm. was learned. But we're going to talk about a book that I have started. I have not finished this book. I am again very early into this book, and it is "When You Trap a Tiger" by Tay Keller. Which is applicable because we talked about tigers last podcast. Um, If you haven't listened to that episode, you can. Um, It should be wherever you found this one. So wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find all of our podcasts. And so, when you trap a tiger is about a young girl named Lily, and Lily has this like this power to kind of be invisible, but not really invisible. Like she can't. It's not like Harry Potter's invisibility cloak where she literally can't be seen. Um, But people just kind of forget about her, which. I can relate to as the youngest grandkid. You know, my older cousins, I was not that cool, and they definitely forgot about me a lot of the time. They would not admit that, but they they definitely did. Um, but so Lily and her family, so her mom and her sister, they move um, up to Washington, I do believe, um, in with her grandma. And so I don't think Lily knows that there's something wrong with her grandma necessarily. But when they get to the house, so first of all, when they're traveling, Lily sees a tiger. And, you know, that's in the Pacific Northwest. There aren't tigers just, like, walking about. Um, Only if you go to the zoo will you see a tiger in the Pacific Northwest. So she sees it, but obviously no one else in the car did. And so she's like, oh, what is this? What's happening? And then when they get to her grandma's house, her grandma has, like, the door to the basement. There's, like, stuff in front of it. The house just seems in a disarray. They have to, like, break in through a window to get into the house because the grandma's not there. Um, so it does make you wonder, like, what is going on with the grandma. Like, there has to be something else. Um, and the grandma tells her a story that she stole something from the tiger. And that is why the tiger's hunting. They don't. So did she really steal So it's like that weird, like, not weird, but that magical realism. So, you know, you always wonder, like, is this real? Was there really a tiger? Was there not a tiger? So I'm interested to see if the tiger was like a real thing did she just imagine it who knows um this book did win the newberry I believe for this year um for 2021 so pick it up at the library we have lots of copies um, but let's get back in to the questions Jill what's our
2: next question I am so excited to announce that for our next question we had our friend Nolan in The podcast studio with us yeah so we're just gonna let nolan go ahead and introduce this question so we have actually a special guest
0: today in the studio with us we have nolan hi nolan hi so nolan is actually the kiddo or the son of one of our ada branch librarians miss liz and nolan has a question that he thinks can stump me do you think you've stumped me nolan with your question Maybe. Maybe? Okay. Lay it on us. What is your question to stump the librarian?
2: What is the animal that can survive the farthest underwater without being crushed by pressure?
0: Awesome. That is a great question. Do you think there is an animal? How far down do you think this animal might live? I'm not sure. Not sure? All right. Well, you'll have to tune into the podcast, and I will answer your question very shortly. great question, Noland. Um, and so I hope you're listening to this podcast after the fact that you can hear the answer to your question. Um, but to give you the short answer first, it's highly unlikely that science has yet to determine what sea creatures can survive at the deepest depths, or at least all of the creatures that can survive. Um, because a large majority of the creatures in the ocean haven't been discovered. Scientists predict that about 91% of the living creatures, organisms in the ocean, have yet to be discovered. So that only leaves 9% of the ocean, has, relatively speaking, has been discovered. Um, but here is the longer answer to your question. Um, and so the first is that the deepest part of the ocean is known as the Mariana Trench, um, which is located between the coasts of Japan and Australia. And the deepest part of that trench is um, Challenger Deep, And it's named Challenger Deep, which is located at the southern end of the Mariana Trench and is approximately 36,200 feet, or about seven miles, deep. And it's named this after the British Royal Navy survey ship, the HMS Challenger, whose expedition of 1872 to 1876 made the first recordings of its depths. So it's the first ship that kind of found that there's this, like, deep, seemingless, bottomless pit in the ocean. Like, seven miles, you know, when you're talking about driving in your car, I feel like it doesn't seem, like, that far. Right. But, like, deep, deep, deep down into the ocean just seems, like, terrifying. Well, and if you've never
1: been on a plane, how high does a plane usually go? I feel like it's just... Oh, pretty high. Yeah, but not seven miles.
0: Oh, I don't know. They always right. talk in feet, and so I'm, like, right. there are, like, 5,000-some-odd feet in a mile, um, Emily's going to look up I'll how look high the planes go while I continue to answer this fabulous question. So the animals that, and organisms that live in the Challenger Deep section of the Mariana Trench live in what is called the Haddle Zone. I might be saying that incorrectly because vowels are hard. But at this depth, the pressure increases about one atmosphere. So that's how much pressure we're currently feeling on Earth at sea level um, for every 10 meters that you go down. But, like, that doesn't really paint a good picture for me because I, I'm i sitting in the room and I don't feel any pressure because we're used to the air pressure at sea level. Um, so to make it a little more, you know, for you to imagine it, um, imagine that there are 100 adult elephants standing on top of you. And that is, like, approximately how much pressure there is That's underwater. an incredible amount of pressure. And sounds awful like i feel in pain like my back hurts just thinking about that um so as you can imagine organisms that live at such deep depths have different adaptations from those who live closer to the surface um there isn't any light that deep down so some of these animals have bioluminescence um so they can glow or they create their own form of light i think when people think of deep ocean they think of the anglerfish mm-hmm. which is the one that has like the little lantern that's like terrifying which If you've seen the newest Disney movie, Luca, his uncle is an anglerfish, and his uncle's skin is translucent, so Luca has to, like, punch his heart. And so I don't know if that's an adaptation, but I thought that was a great thing. I'm really (laughs) glad my skin is not – I joke that my skin is translucent, but it's definitely not actually translucent. Um, But some of them, like, they just glow in themselves, or they've just completely given up on being able to see things, um, so they don't really have – A vision um but these creatures are so fascinating and honestly i could talk a whole podcast about the ocean fun fact when i was in like third grade i wanted to be either an oceanographer or a marine biologist and since answering this question i've definitely dug deep into the ocean research i watched an ocean documentary on disney plus i plan to watch some more so if i have a career change that's going to be the career change but, anyways, back to the question. Um, the most common types of organisms uh, found in Challenger Deep are xenophophores. I'm probably saying that wrong, um, which are just like these single cell organisms. I mean, basically think like an amoeba. And they create like these house structures out of the sediment that settles. Um, and then there are amphipods, which are like shrimp like. Um, creatures and then small sea cucumbers which are called sea pigs <laughs> and they're like translucent and they aren't related to pigs at all they're type of sea cucumber um but they kind of look like I, like a little pig snout or didn't, something yeah kind of they showed like the website showed a picture of a pig and then a picture of a p- sea pig and like maybe a slight similarity okay but i mean it's basically it looks more like a cucumber with like a like a rubbery looking cucumber with things hanging off of it. Well, I bet
1: it would be hard if, like, you were the person to to find that. Yeah. You'd probably be thinking, like, well, what does this look like? What can I name can this I to, name like, help this? people
0: understand what this creature looks like? Exactly. Um. So, and these things eat. So, there's some there's one interesting thing, and then I will talk about another creature that was found. Um. So, obviously, at the deep depths of the ocean, there is not a lot of, not a lot. Go- I mean, there's a lot going on, but not a lot going on at the same time. Like, food is pretty like minimum, Um, so there's this thing called marine snow, and it's essentially like food that has like been eaten by the creatures that are higher up and like drifts down. And so also a lot of these animals that live either in just the Mariana Trench or Challenger Deep, um, when whales die and they sink, obviously to the bottom of the ocean, it's like buffet day. It's like the greatest day. You know when you're at school and it's like your favorite lunch day? Like, for me, that was Bosco sticks. Like, it's like Bosco <laughs> stick day for these creatures it's at like the bottom. like Pizza Friday. Pizza Friday. Um, but, back to the question. In November of 2017, scientists discovered a new species of snailfish lurking in the depths of the Mariana Trench. It's a pinkish color and has flesh so translucent that you can see its liver from the outside
1: you can see all the things going on inside of it. You can see all the things.
0: Okay. So the snailfish, again, was the first, like, fish-like creature. So all these other things are, are not really technically, I guess, animals in, like, a traditional sense. When you're thinking, like, sea creatures, you're probably thinking, like, fish, dolphins, whales, those type of things, jellyfish. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the snailfish is probably the closest to that. And it was found about 7,000 meters down into the trench, which is, like, the deepest that's been recorded. There was another one that they said um, that these scientists saw, but they hadn't captured it um, to be able to really identify it. Like, they weren't able to get it on film. Um, But, yeah, so the bottom of the ocean is a a hop in place. Mm -hmm. It wasn't always thought to be. Like, before we had the technology that we have now where you can go down to the bottom of the ocean, which only a handful of people have done. Um, they just kind of assume that nothing could live down there. There's no light, so there's no photosynthesis that can happen. Um, And there's obviously a lot of pressure. I mean, think of all those elephants standing on your back. But it is a thriving place. So, Nolan, the snailfish is probably the answer to your question, this new type of snailfish um, is probably the answer to your question, along with other organisms that I mentioned before.
1: So um, a plane does fly between 5.9 on average and 7.2 miles high. So if you've ever been in a plane and you look out the window and you see how tiny things are, imagine like being down in the trench and looking up. If you could see anything, if there was light, how tiny everything would be like that Mm -hmm. far away.
0: Well, they've said that the the Mm -hmm. Challenger Deep is deeper than Mount Everest is tall. Mm. So the peak of Challenger Deep goes further down than uh, Mount Everest is tall. There was a good diagram too of like fitting, like that showed Mount Everest and that showed what it would be like in Challenger Deep. But that is that is the questions that we have for today.
1: Those were some good questions.
0: They were. We learned quite a bit. What did um, we learn today?
1: Yeah. What was what was like the most interesting thing you learned, Courtney? What
0: was the most interesting thing that I learned? Um, aside from my questions, they were all very interesting. But I think the thing about the flatworms that can regenerate like their brain um didn't know that that was something that could happen and i'm just super impressed by these tiny little organisms that have just these tremendous regeneration capabilities yeah
1: that definitely blew my mind when i was researching it um but i think i'm gonna have to look up that whale buffet situation at the bottom of the trench, because i would like to know i would like to see like or know what what creatures are all going to that you know like
0: because oh, don't really know what else is down there, there. was a photo in one of the articles that I found. And we will, in our um, show notes, we'll link all of the um, resources that we used because we did use a lot of online resources. Um, don't forget to check out kdl.org and look at our online resources. We have lots of databases um, that you can use to search for the answers to your questions. If you don't want to ask us to search for you, you can do the research yourself if you'd like. Or you can research the questions that we answered even further but there was a picture of the whale buffet essentially excellent um and there were like squids and so like the bigger animals eat first and then there are these bone worms no oh, more worms oh, more worms um <laughs> that come and like eat the bone so every bit of this whale is used to you know that's, sustain this ecosystem that's pretty fantastic that like every great. bit gets
1: gets used yeah. i thought so Well, that's all of our fun and highly important information we have for you today. Um, As always, you can visit us at kdl.org forward slash stump for more information and to submit a question um, for your chance to have it read on here um tune in for the next episode where we answer more of your questions yeah
0: and again thank you to the amy van andel library and ada for letting us use their podcast room it's really great if you want to record your own podcast you can reserve the room just check out on our website kdl.org um you can search for the ada or amy van andel branch as well
1: as always thank you jd Delinsky, for our
0: super cool intro music yeah i think that's it for today we will talk to you next time bye